Uh, I'm going to say no one's better than me. But <laughs> yeah, let's go. Blow up. It's Tuesday, which means it's time for Power to the Pod. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, here on Locked on Dolphins, brought to you by Bill Parr. But today is your show, not mine. All I am doing is steering the conversation. You guys have done an awesome job this week via iTunes reviews and through Twitter uh, responses, submitting your questions on what you want to hear us talk about on Tuesday's episode of Locked On Dolphins. Power to the pod, it's power to the people, power to you. I only have one brief talking point uh, before we get into the power to the pod questions, and it stems from a story that was written by Barry Jackson of the Miami Herald. Barry did a nice job. He polled two longtime NFL executives and former NFL scout Mount Williamson, who hosts the Locked On NFL podcast along with Brian Peacock, and asked them to go position by position and gauge the Miami Dolphins roster on where it stood at this point in time. And the quarterback position, you know, everything was pretty much chalk. Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's erratic and up and down, and he's a... a at the end of his career, Tua Tungavailoa is very talented. Durability questions are there, and rightfully so. Uh, but the interesting bit for me came from one of the executives talking about Josh Rosen. And the reason why it was of interest to me is because I get so many questions from fans of the show asking me routinely, what the hell are the Dolphins going to do about Josh Rosen? Well, Rosen has two years remaining on his rookie contract. The Dolphins would have an opportunity to make a decision for a fifth-year option based on his 2020 performance if he's on the roster. Spoiler alert, they will not be exercising that fifth-year option. But the Dolphins, Dolphins fans want to know, is this uh, is, is Josh going to get cut? Is Josh going to get traded? Are they going to keep Josh in the long run to be the backup? And my general stance on the topic is you're not going to get a market for Josh Rosen right now. And and I was somebody who was very excited about Josh Rosen when they took the opportunity to roll the dice to bring him into the building. And everything that happened henceforth obviously kind of shows that from a a processing perspective and control and dictating the line of scrimmage before the snap, Rosen had nowhere near the experience that he was a billed as as having as a pro style quarterback, but also the the experience in doing those sorts of things necessary to effectively run an NFL offense. We saw it, the Dolphins saw it, and unfortunately, the rest of the league saw it too. Uh, with Josh Rosen's three starts, starting in Dallas, a game that I was actually at last year, and progressing forward to uh, the Chargers game and the Washington game before he, he got the, the hook. You're not going to get anything for Josh Rosen right now, uh, which brings us back to what this executive said he would do with Josh Rosen. He said, quote, I would play Josh Rosen a lot in the preseason to try to trade him. There you go. So if you want to trade Josh Rosen, if you want a young, cheap quarterback with a good arm off your roster because it's a distraction or you felt spurned by 
Miami bringing him in and you didn't want him or you did want him and he flopped and now you got ego in your face or whatever your dynamics are personally as a Dolphins fan if you want the Dolphins to move on from Josh Rosen I hope you're ready to see a lot of Josh Rosen in the preseason because that is the only way the Dolphins are going to find a dance partner to trade Josh Rosen ahead of the start of the 2020 season Rosen's game film was so underwhelming he performed so slow after the snap and before the snap and effectively setting protections and audibles uh, of routes and adjustments at the line of scrimmage and identifying the mic for the run game and everything. He was asked to do everything, and you could tell he was swimming in it, and the league saw that. So Miami, fortunately, uh, their proposition to go get Josh Rosen was let's trade back in the second round in 2019. We're going to turn one second-round pick into two second-round picks. We're going to make the 2019 pick we get back from New Orleans go to Arizona for Rosen, and we're going to keep that replacement second-round pick, and we're going to quote-unquote finance it for 12 months. That pick ended up being Raekwon Davis, defensive lineman from Alabama. How will that turn out remains to be seen. Uh, it's hard to envision it going worse than than what we saw year one of Josh Rosen in Miami look like. Is there still hope? Yes. Uh, I think it's very telling that Miami moved on from their offensive coordinator and Chad O'Shea and got a more simplified offense. And obviously this is all all about building around your franchise quarterback and what he does well. But I think it was pretty telling for Miami to get Josh Rosen into the building and see how hard of a time he had processing all of this information and said, well, shoot, is there an easier way for us to do this instead of decide to just everything and ask him to set protections and ask him to set the line and then to make calls for past patterns of the line of scrimmage and, and do all this, that, and the other thing because Josh Rosen's a smart kid and he can't seem to grasp it too easily. Remains to be seen. But new new coaching staff from offensive coordinator perspective and, and much of the assistant coaches as well, uh, we've seen – uh, some departures by firing. We've seen some departures. Carl Doral getting promoted uh, to the college level as soon as he's promoted to assistant head coach. He's out of here. Uh, so th- there, there's some turnover in this coaching staff. Uh, but I think that's the hope for Josh Rosen is you can parlay this into diminished cost by getting a pick back for him down the road. But you're only going to do that by literally rehabbing his image to the rest of the league. Let's keep this thing going. Question from Finns fan number one. Great Dolphins podcast. Thank you. This is from iTunes. Even though we still have to go through training camp, who do you see starting dime defense and starting offensive line? Jeez, all right. Well, I'm only going to do the dime defense because that's new. Uh, we've we've covered a little bit last week. Uh, Finns fan, we covered some of the uh, offensive line expectations. There's a show specifically dedicated to offensive linemen last week, but... Dime defense is interesting, okay? So dime defense dictates you're going to have six defensive backs on the field. For me, you got Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, Noeg Bahogany, Eric Rowe, Bobby McCain, and let's call it Nick Needham for now. Do you think it's interesting with the Dolphins picking Brandon Jones in the third round? Is he more of an heir for Bobby McCain? Is he a third safety? They're going to run more third safety packages. But I'll say for now, Nick Needham. 
is the other dime because you got a bunch of guys with safety experience uh, in Rowe and McCain, but they also have corner experience, so you can literally go matchups across the board. Byron Jones also has safety experience. That leaves us five players in the front. I'm looking at you, Kyle Van Noy. I'm looking at you, Jerome Baker. I'm looking at Shaq Lawson. I'm looking at Christian Wilkins. And Emmanuel Lagba. Give me that as our, if we're going to go Nick, or if we're going to go Dime, and go six defensive backs. Van Noy is a hybrid rusher that gives you four potential rushers with Lawson, Wilkins, Agba, Van Noy. Baker is a rangy guy on the second level, and then a bunch of matchup-specific guys. That's a good question. Now, that's that's a very specific for scheme uh, fit for the Dolphins and their personnel, so I like that question. Thank you. All right, here we got Power to the Pod. What offensive and defensive players are most likely to be pro bowlers this upcoming season, if any? This is from Jack. If Devontae Parker has a repeat of last season and does not make the Pro Bowl, we are going to have to pitch a fit. Because no matter what Mike Thomas wants to say, talking trash on Instagram, Devontae Parker had a terrific season last year. Dominant at the catch point. Lived up to every bit of physical potential that he has. He would be the guy I would peg as the most likely pro bowler. Defensively, Xavier Howard's healthy. Okay, we got him in line. If Byron Jones uh, gets a couple chances for turnovers, I know the big knock on him is lack of interceptions. I think he's a very realistic chance to go. Van Noy playing back in Flores' defense I think can be an impact defender. And I would say Christian Wilkins is a former first-round pick. Now that he's got some complimentary players around him on the defensive line, I don't think it's unrealistic of us at all to hope for a big jump in year two with better personnel surrounding him to allow him to get more of those splash plays that he was just kind of bogged up in and had trouble finding and consistently finding the football in the backfield. I don't think that's too much to ask. We'll see. But if you had to ask me to rank him offensively, it's Parker than everybody else. Howard, Jones, pretty likely if they play the full season based on their talents and the scheme fit. Van Noy would have to have an explosion in, in some splash stats, and so would Wilkins, but I also th- I think they're, they're not unrealistic to hope for. Uh, Jack Ross. Special teams can give a team a huge advantage. Who do you have a sense? Do you have a sense as to who the most talented and productive kick and punt returner will be? I want to give this job to Jakeem Grant. I would really like to see Jakeem Grant's touches in in regular offense uh, kind of monitored closely. He's struggled with durability and and finding his way to the end of the season the last few years. I think the best way to do that is let's let's let him work in space. You know, maybe some end-around stuff like that. I don't want to make him be a standard wide receiver. But he's an explosive player that you want to find ways to get to touch the football. How do you do that? Okay, well, let's get in the ball and punt return. 
Uh, Igbahogany is another name to watch. He had some experience doing that at Auburn, former track athlete, really dynamic. I think those two are, are strong candidates. Uh, Malcolm Perry is another one to watch as well. He, he doesn't quite have the juice, the long speed, but his short area quickness is really strong. Uh, so if you ask me my three favorites to be on return duties, I'm looking at Jakeem Grant, I'm lo- looking at Noah Igbahogany, and I'm looking at Malcolm Perry in year one. Lake. I had a nightmare last night that Fitz got hurt in week one and Rosen took over. If this scenario happened, do you think they would let Rosen play or just throw two out there if he's healthy, of course? Fins up. Yeah, it's um, that's the ultimate what if, hypothetical right now, right? Because if we get to December and Fitz gets hurt, we all know two is going in the game. As far as who I think the Dolphins would throw out, I mean, if two is medically cleared, they're going to put their next best quarterback in the game, the next best quarterback that they feel like gives them the chance to win. So if two is medically cleared to play football and Fitz gets hurt and forces their hand, I think they'll play Tua. Um, I would have some apprehension about it. I would coach it super conservatively until I got a better gauge on, okay, you know, how long is Fitz out for I would play that that first game close to the vest, and I, I know you can't coach scared, but at the same time, with the offensive line turnover, just turning the keys over to two and say, all right, kid, no, go make plays happen, it would scare me a little bit. But this is also a, a long-term build, and I don't think there's an easy answer to that. If fate gives you something other than what you foresee for yourself, Put him in and and let him see how he handles that situation, right? You know, some quick, easy throws to allow Tua to kind of settle into the game. And then you just got to constantly stay on him about that internal clock. That's the point of emphasis I'm going to continue to make for for Tua uh, throughout the course of the summers. That internal clock, getting that ball out quick, that's got to continue. He cannot have those plays inside the pocket where he's looking to make the big play happen. Let your skilled players around you, you've got some size, you've got some speed. Put up a 50-50 ball, back shoulder ball. Dump it off to your check down. You know, you've got Matt Breed as a potential check down back, super speedy guy. Let them make the plays. Don't try to do too much, especially at this level. So that would kind of be like my sideline elevator pitch speech to Tua before I put him in the game. But if he's healthy... And medically cleared, yes. I would expect the Dolphins coaching staff would put him in over Rosen because the expectation is the he's probably going to give you a better chance to win the game. Uh, before we go any further, I want to talk to you guys about today's sponsor of the show, Built Bar. Uh, these protein bars are the best protein bars I have ever had. And I'm not just saying that on the show as a pitch. I genuinely mean it. I have four boxes of 18 that I ordered last week downstairs in my basement. Forced myself to walk down and go get them so I don't sit here and eat them like candy because they eat that easy. They're delicious. They've got more protein than your average protein bar. They've got one-seventh the grams of sugar and carbs of your standard protein bar between 110 and 150 calories a piece. And it's not like you're chewing on your coffee table. These things eat very easy. They are delicious. They've got tons of flavors. And we have a special offer for you as a listener of Locked On Dolphins. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code Locked On, and you can save $10 off your first box and find out what all the fuss is about. So don't just take my word for it. 
Go to BillBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, save $10 off your first box, and try to tell me that Built Bar is not the best protein bar your lips have ever touched. Jeffrey Whitcomb is a man after my heart. Kyle, love your show. Bowl of Built Bars on the kitchen table. <laughs> Question. How does Flo change his game plan for the offense if prep time and practice is severely limited by the pandemic? Do you work on more power and run game, getting it ready for next year? Results be damned. Um, listen, I think that the, the luxury of what the Dolphins are trying to do is RPO is very prevalent at the college level. And that's something we're going to see more and more of. The Dolphins ran more and more of it throughout the course of the season last year. You're going to see more and more of that with Changeli and the spacing. And from an offensive line perspective, it's easy. You're blocking the run. That's what makes it such a hard play to key on defensively is the offensive line and RPOs, they're executing run blocks. For all they know, the ball's being given to the running back every single play. It's up to the quarterback to identify his primary read defender, put that defender in conflict, and make them wrong with what you do with the football, reacting to their spacing on the field. Part of the problem with a lot of the narrative that's been, you know, college quarterbacks assimilating to the pro game is college has been way ahead of the curve on RPOs versus NFL offenses. And we've obviously seen that start to change over the course of the last several years. That in itself, the fact that these players are coming from offenses that have ran these types of RPO conflicts for defenses before, I think makes it a little easier to take it in stride because your offensive line, you just got to get the terminology down. You know, you're not doing anything different for your pass plays. You know, your deep set passing game, yeah, I think they will run a lot of quick game. I think they're going to prepackage. They'll do a lot of max protect and, and two or three man routes out there trying to, you know, hit the deep shots on play action passing when it's time to cue those up. But as far as the RPO, like it's pretty straightforward for the offensive line. It's I've been watching some coaches clinics over the course of the summer, and I don't remember who it was, but somebody referred to their offensive line as uh, the union. And he said, don't upset the union. And the more you can keep the union happy, the better your offense is going to run. And one of the ways to do that, he was talking specifically about second and third level RPO reads, was talking about have one phrase or the phrase that you're using to code certain words begins with a certain letter, and that's the code for the offensive line to know what kind of run scheme blocking they are operating. And anything that comes after that code letter or code word doesn't matter to them. So there's, there's ways in which college style spread RPO offenses uh, can be kept pretty straightforward um, and allow you to take it in stride with your install, even if you don't have a lot of time. Uh, politically fin correct, rapid fire, helmet cam, yes or no? Yes, absolutely. I don't know if you guys remember uh, NFL 2K5, I believe it was, but that video game had like a first-person view with a helmet cam, and I always enjoy watching the GoPros for practice where you get to see where the, the player's looking uh, throughout the course of practice. Go-to stadium meal, uh, the chicken tenders and fries at Lincoln Financial Field. You guys got to remember, I am northern Delaware. I am not in South Florida at the time. Right. So I've gone, you know, whenever Phil Miami has played Philly, 
Uh, in Philly, I'm going to those games. I'll go to an Eagles game. I'll go to concerts and stuff, whatnot. So I'll, the, the stadium I've most frequented is Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia. And they've got awesome chicken tenders, massive like 24-ounce Diet Coke, and fries. That's my go-to. Bucket list Dolphins souvenir. Man. Uh, probably a signed helmet of some kind. I do have a old school helmet uh, with the, the I believe it was the 80s logo. Uh, I have that in my man cave downstairs, and I got plenty of Dolphins paraphernalia, but you know, a signed helmet would be really cool with, with some of the legends of the game or some of these guys that are coming in that are going to help start in the next successful phase of Dolphins football. If you could change one draft selection for a player that was still on the board at the time, who would it be from Taylor Zimlicka? That's a tough question, man. Um, knowing full well that Cesar Ruiz went at 24, so the market wouldn't have been crazy to take him at 18, I probably would have taken... Cesar Ruiz instead of Austin Jackson, knowing full well that Robert Hunt is still there, and I'm totally fine with that pick. And if you get into a domino effect, uh, you can find yourself with Lucas Nyang, who went very late third round on the board, later down the board. So I would probably flip Austin Jackson for Cesar Ruiz, who has interior flexibility. I think he's... um, a little bit more polished football player. I think he'd be a good fit for the Dolphins schematically and what they're looking to do. But uh, that's neither here nor there, and and we just got to have faith that Brian Flores and his coaching staff can get the player development out of a very toolsy offensive tackle in Austin Jackson. Uh, Ezekiel, this is a good question. Dolphins have had seen an uptick in positive national media attention from the rebuild job Greer and Flores have done in, the, in addition to Tua. How many games do you think Miami will need to win with Fitz or Tua to get three to five nationally televised games next year? This is a great question. Um, listen, you're probably 500 plus. I can't see my I can't see ESPN gobbling up a bunch of uh, six and ten or seven and nine Miami Dolphins football in prime time, even with the Tua factor. Uh, especially if you're, if we're looking for, you know, you said three to five, a little bit of a big range, but like if we're looking for five primetime games, you, you better have a winning record this year. If, if you're going to get that priority and two is going to have to play and play well. Uh, Jake Shankles with a non-football question. Okay. What's the best fast food restaurant all around all variables included? Man, that's tough. Um, can I say Taco Bell? I know that's probably a hot take, but I'm a, I'm a big sucker for Mexican food and like the, the chalupas and gordita crunch and even like the, the cinnamon churros and stuff like that. Like I'm a big Mexican food kind of guy. So I I would say Taco Bell, maybe Chick-fil-A is a, a strong runner up. Um, Greg, Gregory, this is a good question. What are the weaknesses of the 2020 Dolphins, you would try to attack as an opposing offensive or defensive coordinator. Ooh. Okay. So if I was an opposing coach, how would I try and attack the Miami Dolphins? Um, I would probably try to work this team running outside first uh, because they've, they've got so many dense, heavy-handed guys, but... You know, you're going to have to 
crack down on Van Noy, scraping across over the top or stepping up to set the edge. But if you can get the edge on this defense, you, you don't have a lot of backside flow range other than Jerome Baker. Um, I would look to test if I can run off tackle or outside stretch or outside zone and try and you know stay ahead of the change because th- with this Dolphins defense, the place you do not want to be is third and eight plus, third and seven plus. So I would be trying to consistently run the ball outside the tackles and take advantage that this is a little bit more of a power-oriented defensive structure for their personnel. And then, obviously, play out, you could implement tap into play-action passing, but just staying out of thirds and lawn would be of paramount importance to me as an opposing coach. Uh, as far as attacking the Dolphins' offense... I am playing press man coverage. I'm playing tight on the line of scrimmage. I'm crowding the box. And I'm going to buzz somebody out into uh, the hook curl and and try and buzz underneath whatever quick hot throws that we're running with RPO type concepts. Alabama ran a ton of slants, right? Slant and go and take it to the house. You got to muddy the water's... Before the snap, you can't make it elementary, and then you got to throw them change ups in the process. But you got to stuff the box because if you don't stuff the box, they're going to run it on you down after down after down after down. And with the offensive line the Dolphins have assembled, if you give them the opportunity to just take four and a half yards a pop, they're going to move you off the ball and get four and a half yards a pop. <sighs> Obvious passing situations, I'm blitzing heavy. You know, you, you got a risk, uh, a quarterback who's willing to play with some risk in Ryan Fitzpatrick. You've got a young quarterback potentially in Tua that you can get off script and, and, and force him to second guess himself if you put him under the gun, if he hits the field early. And Miami, for all of their potential with the pass catching group, they don't really have a lot of over the top speed and short area shake ability to to force you to miss them in short spaces. So by playing press, you're trying to get the the wide receivers out of timing and sync with the quarterback and his drops. That's how I would choose to attack the Dolphins. Um, let's get one more. No, let's get two more. I had somebody ask me if a hot dog was a sandwich, and I begrudgingly said, a fat Dolphins fan <laughs> is a hot dog a sandwich. No, it's not a sandwich. It's a hot dog. Um, F.S. Reese Stark looked at the Bills' schedule from last year was pretty unimpressed with who they beat. The best team they beat was the Steelers. Do you think they really pose as much of a threat to win the division like everybody seems to think? I would say yes, but here's the reason why. Uh, This is a really well-constructed roster. Uh, The quarterback position, obviously, is a big wild card, and Josh Allen's play from week to week can be super up and down. And his development is really going to define the success of the Bills and, and their ability to you know, make a playoff run versus you know maybe having to reinvest in that position. But Coach McDermott is an excellent coach. The Bills have excellent depth in their roster. They only have a few spots, uh, one of them being the cornerback position where their depth maybe isn't great at outside corner. Uh, but I like their playmakers. Obviously, we have to watch the Ed Oliver situation. He was arrested over the weekend um, for a 
DWI and, and potentially or p- allegedly had an, an illegal firearm in the vehicle as well. So, uh, some, some things to watch there, but, but he seemed to come into his own throughout the, the end of the season as well. That's why I would say the bills are very much a legitimate threat to win the NFC, the AFC East, because they have the depth in the roster and good coaching. Uh, their quarterback plays the ultimate wild card. If they get good Josh Allen, yes, absolutely. They are a threat to go 10 and six, 11 and five and win the AFC East. If you get bad Josh Allen and you get more bad Josh Allen than you do good Josh Allen, you're probably looking at about a 500 football team. So that's about the difference for Josh, uh, but the roster itself is really good. That's going to do it for us today. Listen, I had ample good questions that I could have tackled, but some of these I'm going to save to do more in-depth show topics on between now and the end of the week. And I am also the managing editor at USA Today's Dolphins Wire. So if I did not touch on your topics, swing over to DolphinsWire.com because odds are some of your questions are being tackled as written content there for this week as well. You guys do such a great job. I had over 50 questions this week. Could not possibly hit them all. Tried to hit the most compelling ones. Uh, tried to earmark as many of the ones that are that really jumped off to me as good conversation topics as possible. Uh, but some of these are, are also great questions that got earmarked for further and deeper discussions. So we have that to look forward to. I'm Kyle Krabs signing off for Locked On Dolphins. So keep it locked in. Hit subscribe. Come back. See me again tomorrow. We got three more shows this week. Plenty of Dolphins football to talk about. Hope you guys enjoy the rest of your afternoon. <laughs>